So I wonder, have any of you this weekend, uh, has anybody watched any basketball? (laughs) I hear some laughs. Uh, I see like three hands in the room. Seriously, has anybody watched any basketball this weekend? It's it's my favorite basketball weekend of the year, the NCAA tournament, the first round. Uh, I don't watch... Uh, college basketball very often. Uh, many of you know that I'm a Purdue fan, uh, so I didn't have much to watch this year anyway. Uh, but even so, I don't really follow it during the season until we get to this time of year. And um, I love the first weekend, especially of the NCAA tournament. You see all the Cinderella stories. You see uh, 14 seeds knocking off three seeds. You don't see that very much during the season. And it's just an exciting time. Uh, but unfortunately, my family is not as big a fan of college basketball. I have a wife and two girls, and uh, none of them really could tell you where half of the colleges in the tournament were or uh, you know, who their coaches were or who played for them. They don't have a lot of interest. And so this year, to generate interest inside my own home in the NCAA tournament, what we decided to do was each member of our family would fill out a bracket. And uh, so we did that, and I gave them the, the seedings and the records and uh, let them have any information they wanted before they did that. But to make it, to give them an incentive, the, win, the winner gets to pick where the whole family goes for dinner. And that's, that's the incentive for us. And so each of us have a little different taste in food. And so for me, um, this right here is the prize. This is, um, this is Big Hoffa's Barbecue. I don't know how many of you know of Big Hoffa's Barbecue in Westfield, uh, but it is uh, by far the best restaurant in the world. Um, I'm, I'm not exaggerating. Uh, this is a pulled pork plate. So there's pulled barbecue pulled pork, um, these delicious chewy garlic rolls. Um, uh, they have really crispy, a little bit spicy French fries, and their macaroni and cheese, they make it there, and it's really creamy and um, you were already thinking about lunch anyway. Admit it, all right? And so I'm not doing anything out of the ordinary here, but I, I'm, I'm excited for this because I get to eat this today, but I'm really excited that if I win, I'm going to take my entire family there because um, just like my family doesn't like the NCAA tournament, most of my family doesn't like Big Hoffa's barbecue, but I want them to grow to love it because I love it and it's important to me, right? And so I, I, I just um, realized this week probably how important Big Hoffa's is in my life. Um, When I was at my men's Bible study that we meet on Tuesdays at Chick-fil-A, and I told the guys, I said, hey, you know, you're all from Westfield. If you guys want to, we could meet at Big Hoffa's instead of Chick-fil-A. And uh, one of my friends that's in the Bible study said, you know what? You say that every week. He said, I think that you really want to go there. And I realized that I am uh, quite, I'm not trying to sell Big Hoffa's. I'm telling you, I've got a point to all this. I'll tell you in a minute. But I'm telling you that um, all of us, don't we have a place that we love, a restaurant or, or something that we love? In fact, why don't you just turn to the person next to you and tell them about your favorite restaurant and what makes it your favorite restaurant? The longer I let this go, I think the louder and more exciting it would get in here. Um, Because here's the truth. You know, it got really exciting because everybody perked up. They wanted to, when we find something we love, we want to tell everybody about it, right? We want people to know about it. And and so for you, maybe it's not a restaurant. For you, maybe it's uh, you got a new car recently and you want all your friends to go for a ride in your new car. Or maybe for you, you just got a job and you want to tell all your friends about your job or you just got back from vacation 
and you've got pictures on your phone, and you've got videos that you took, and, and you want everybody to see this place that you stayed, this beach that you went to, this, uh, the restaurants you ate at, whatever it was when you were on vacation. You know, uh, When we find something we really love, we want everybody to know about it, right? And so I wonder, for those of us, as we think about this last week in the Follow Me series, for those of us who are following Jesus, are we that excited to talk about Jesus in our lives? I mean, and if you're not a Christian, um, this, what we're going to talk about today, there's not a lot here for you. But one of the things that you're going to hear is why all these annoying Christians keep coming to you wanting to talk about Jesus, okay? And so hopefully that'll be helpful for you as we wrap up our series today called Follow Me. Now, for the last six weeks, what we've been doing, if you've missed it, is we've been looking at this question. What, does it really, what did Jesus really mean when he said, follow me? Come and follow me. Uh, Part of what we hope to accomplish through this series was to get a better understanding of what it means that we call ourselves Christians, you know, or to be a follower of Jesus today. And what we've seen, what we've discovered, I hope, is that Christianity is more than a religion. It's it's more than just a set of rules. It's a it's more than Sundays. It's more than simply punching your ticket to heaven. That that the whole heart of Christianity is that we can have a relationship with God. Uh, through his son, Jesus Christ, that God initiated that relationship with you when he sent Jesus to earth. And when you surrender your life to him, that you receive his forgiveness, that you're adopted into his kingdom, and that when you submit yourself to his leadership in your life, you start living out what it means uh, to be a follower of Jesus. And as that happens, what we find out is that uh, Jesus doesn't just want to save us for some future heaven like for some future glory that we're going to receive, but that through our relationship with him, that he starts changing us, that we start becoming more and more like Jesus as we uh, are transformed into his image. And as we become more like him, we start loving like him and we are bearing fruit with our lives and that gives God glory. And then two weeks ago, we talked about the importance of prayer in our lives. Uh, And this is one area, quite honestly, that God has really been working on me and, and stretching me and growing me over this year so far. I mean, that uh, what we're finding is that you can't have a relationship with God without prayer. It's impossible. I mean, I think about it in your life. You can't have a relationship with someone you don't communicate with. It, it just doesn't happen. And so, uh, but through prayer, we get a talk to this God. You can really have that relationship. We can grow in that relationship as followers of Jesus, as we spend time with him and as we talk to him. But it's not just talking, it's about listening too, right? I I use this analogy at our connection group on Friday. If I'm riding in the car with my wife, I don't just turn the radio down and then tell her what I want to say and then turn it back up. That would not go well for me. And so instead, I turn the radio down and and we talk and we have a conversation, we have a dialogue, but I have to wait, I have to listen for what she's going to say to me. Well, why should it be any different with God? You, You tell him what you want. And then you listen to what he has to say for you. Now, last week, we talked about the importance of the church. And Jesus, we said, started the church. This, this was his idea, um, that, that he started that when he talked to his apostle Peter, and that his plan for this world and for the spread of the good news involves the church. It's not about this building. It's about the people. Each and every one of you is a part of the church. All of us assembled together around the cornerstone of Jesus Christ. And so today, as we wrap up this series, I want to talk to you more about our mission or our assignment as followers of Jesus. And I wonder, as we start, do you ever take the time to think about, ask yourself, am I getting this right? 
Like, like, am I doing life right? Is this everything there is? Am I on the right track? I mean, or let me ask it this way. Is there any part of you that worries that someday you might get to the end of your life and think, I wonder if I really mattered. Like, I wonder if I really made a difference. Well, whether you call yourself a Christian or not, I believe that God has wired each and every one of us to ask those kinds of questions. And so in Christian circles, we talk a lot about our calling. Like, like I just want to know what God has called me to do. You know, I just want to know, I want to just want to find my calling. Like if I find my calling, uh, then I'll know, or, or we'll say to each other, yeah, well, what's God, you know, if somebody's trying to make a decision, well, what's God calling you to do? We talk about that. Well, mission, mission is another popular term. Uh, it's not uncommon for people to have mission statements. Uh, certainly most corporations have a mission statement. A lot of families have a mission statement. Well, what's a mission statement? It, it, it's uh, a statement that defines your life. You know, it defines the purpose for your life or how you intend to live. It's, well, it's your specific assignment. I believe that as a follower of Jesus, each and every one of us has a specific assignment, the same mission, the same assignment. And that mission for everyone who considers themselves a follower of Jesus is to share the good news of Jesus Christ with others. It's a mission that Jesus gave to his very first followers in the book of Matthew. If you have your Bible, you might open it to Matthew 28. Uh, Matthew 28, 18 through 20, it says this. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now, I want to stop right there because when you read this, what I want you to understand is this. It doesn't matter what he says next. Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So if he tells you that you're supposed to take off and fly, you can take off and fly. Because Jesus has all authority on heaven and earth. And if you just look at his life and his walk on earth, you'll see that he healed the sick. He made the lame walk. He drove out demons. He rose people from the dead. He controlled the sun and the wind. He calmed storms. All authority, all authority in heaven and on earth was given to Jesus. Whatever he says next is going to succeed. All right, and so this is what he says. I've been given all authority. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And then he gives us this reminder. And surely I am with you always even to the very end of the age. Now, if you've been around church for any length of time at all, you know that we often call this mission the Great Commission. And uh, what I want you to do, if you've got your Bible open to Matthew 28, I want to look at those three verses and see, is, is there a, a footnote? Is there, does anybody have like a little note in your Bible? Uh, anyone? What I'm looking for is an exception. Like, I wonder if there's an exception there, like the, the, that maybe your Bible says, uh, go make disciples of all the nations unless you're really, really busy. Or, or go make disciples of all the nations unless talking to people about your faith makes you uncomfortable. It doesn't say that. Mine doesn't say that, and I don't think that yours says that. But sometimes I feel like some Christians think that they're exempt uh, from this mission. I often hear people say, well, I believe Jesus is right for me, but that doesn't mean he's right for everybody. Or, uh, you know, you believe what you want to believe, and I'll believe what I want to believe, and we'll just kind of live and let live. Or, or, hey, man, to each his own. You know, you hear people say that all the time. No, that, that Jesus gave these words to his followers. He gave this plan, this mission to each and every one of us. The same mission, the same assignment is for all of us 
who call ourselves followers of Jesus. And that mission is this. Followers of Jesus share the good news with others. It's that simple. Followers of Jesus share the good news with others. Our mission is to share the good news of Jesus with the people around us. That's the assignment. Now, you may be here and say, you may be thinking, well, I'm not really an evangelist. That is bull oni. I just heard you talking to your neighbor about that restaurant that you were evangelizing for. I've seen you talking to people about how passionate you get about your sports teams or about the school that you go to or about whatever else it is in your life that you're trying to sell people on. All of us have some sort of gift of evangelism about something. So how do we take that and apply it to our faith in Jesus. And our motivation, just like when we tell people about our restaurants we love, uh, should be out of how much we love it. It shouldn't be out of guilt or obligation, but it's out of the overflow of what Christ is doing in our lives that we want to tell people. Now, even if you're not a Christian, there's a good chance that you're here today because something is changing in your life. You may not know what that is, or you may not even know what to call that, but it, it feels nice and and you already feel a pull to tell people about it. One of the things I've constantly been amazed at since we launched this campus a year and a half ago is that some of our best inviters are people who aren't even Christians yet. But they come here and they, they see what's happening and they, they feel what God's doing in their hearts. And they say, you know what? I don't know what this whole thing's about, but you need to come see this with me. You got to come experience this place. You should hear the music that they play there. You should see how friendly the people are there. You should hear, well, nobody ever says anything about the teaching, but you should know, you should meet this group of people that has like taken me in despite all my flaws, despite what I've done in my life. And so while this assignment is the same for each and every one of us, the challenge or maybe the adventure, okay, the adventure for you is to find the specific role you play in that. You know, what's the particular part you play? Because here's the thing, we're all different. I mean, each of us are unique. Now, some are more unique than others. Okay, I get that. But, But we've all been given the same mission, but every one of us has different gifts and different abilities and different talents and different passions and different locations and different coworkers and different teammates and different neighbors and different friends. You see, that's the beauty of what God's up to and why it takes each and every one of us, as we talked about last week, each and every one of us has a part to play. We all work together to make the church stronger. And it's why if you're a follower of Jesus, there's no such thing as an accident. Like You are where you are doing what you're doing for a reason. There's no such thing as just a, just a teacher or just a barista or just a stay-at-home parent or, or just a student. You know, you are a follower of Jesus living on mission for him. Your specific assignment is to share the good news with the people that God has put in your sphere of influence. And believe it or not, all of us have a sphere of influence. We all have a group of neighbors that we relate to. We all have a group of friends that we relate to or coworkers that we relate to. Uh, followers of Jesus will share the good news with those people. You know, the, the apostle Paul knew that. He, he was following Jesus. He understood what his mission was. In Acts 20, 24, he wrote this. He said, However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. See, Paul understood the mission he'd been given. He didn't live for his own personal agenda, but he lived for God's agenda. Like what God commanded through Jesus and what Paul committed his life to, I believe that God had in mind for you and for me too. 
Jesus said, go and make disciples. Let others see and hear what the Lord is doing in your life. Tell your story. Don't hesitate to talk about the hope you have in Jesus Christ. And so as we come to the end of this series, it's the part that we talk about that starts to make people a little bit uncomfortable. You know, we're, we're coming full circle. We started week one with talking about what it means to follow Jesus. And now this week, we're talking about what it means to ask somebody to follow you as you follow Jesus. It's telling people about him. It's, it's hard. And it matters. And so what I'm praying that you will see and take advantage of every opportunity that you have to do this. Like, like every moment, every relationship, every interaction, I believe that God is big enough to put you in a particular neighborhood or dorm or apartment complex or job or on a certain team or in a certain hobby, whatever. Like he's that good to put the people around you that need to hear what he's doing in your life. There are, there are parents for you to meet. There are neighbors for you to get to know. Followers of Jesus live on mission. We, we, we're here to make a difference in central Indiana and to share the good news with others. But here's what I know. It's one thing. It's pretty easy to say that. It's another thing entirely to do it. And, and sometimes our inability or our unwillingness, I guess, to do that comes from the size of the task. I, mean, I am just one person. How can I possibly share the good news of Jesus with everyone I know? How, how can I talk about the hope I have in Jesus? It's a tall order, right? Well, let me put your mind at ease a little bit because Jesus has already thought about this, as you probably expected. In Luke 15, he tells this story. Then Jesus told him this parable in Luke 15, verse 4. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Now, if you'll talk to any farmer about this, they would know. They would tell you. Anybody who raises animals, uh, I've got a friend who's a sheep farmer up in uh, northern Hamilton County, and when they lose a sheep, it's a big deal. If a wolf comes and gets the sheep, he mourns over it. I mean, it's, it's important to him. You know, if, if a sheep gets away, he's going to leave the flock behind and go chase him. They will tell you that that's true. That happens. But look at the imagery here, that, that the shepherd lifts the sheep up on their shoulders and carries them in, carries them home. And then he calls his friends and neighbors, verse 6 says, it together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. And then verse 7, I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. And so here's what I want to challenge you with today. It's not to think about everybody in your life that needs to know Jesus. It's just so overwhelming. But what if you were to focus on one person? If there's one person in your life that desperately needs to know Jesus. That what, if, what could it do to your life? Like for you to change your perspective, to not think about everyone, but just one. I mean, really, if I were to ask you to name one person in your life, one, one person that you know needs to be close to Jesus, somebody who you have a close relationship with but doesn't know Christ, I mean, who would it be? Could you tell me that person? And what you might see and what you might start to believe is that God has you in their life or close to their life for a reason. So uh, when you walked in today, I hope you all got one of these. It's a card. It just says my one on it. And uh, on the back... 
uh, it talks about, it, there's some stuff on here that we're going to fill out here in a minute, but what I want you to do over the last just couple minutes of the, the, ser- the service, as I'm, as I'm uh, talking, would you be praying about, like, who is that one person for you? Who's that one person that's close to you that, you know, desperately could benefit from a relationship with Jesus? They need to know. And you've got a close and unique relationship to be able to talk to them about that. You know, recognize that God's put them in your life for a reason. And so what, what that, might that mean for your life? Once you recognize that somebody's there for a reason, what might you be able to do uh, to advance the kingdom in their favor? Well, there's three things. And uh, these are on the front of the card, <laughs> but they're also in your worship program notes. Number one is this, pray for them. You know, we're gonna pray for them. Pray. I ask that when we write a name on this card, that you'll pray daily for that person. You know, pray that God would open the doors for conversation. Pray that God would give you the time to talk to them. Pray that God would give you the right words to say. Pray for opportunities uh, to meet with them, to be with them. Pray for courage because there's a chance that you haven't done this before because it takes a lot of courage. Pray for boldness to speak into their lives when you talk to them. Pray that you would know how to answer the questions that they ask. And if you don't know how to answer the questions, pray that you would be okay with just saying, you know what, I don't know the answer to that, but let's look into it together. You know, pray for God's work in your friend. Pray that God would open their heart to hear the gospel. Pray that God would give you faith and patience to persevere no matter how long it takes. And then there's one more prayer. In Luke 10, it says, After, the Lord, after this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and every place where he was about to go. And he told them, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And then it says, ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Now, your, your version may say, pray to the Lord of the harvest or, or beg the Lord of the harvest. And so one of the things we can pray for these people in our lives is that there would be other workers who are there working with them, working on them. So we'll pray for the Lord to send more workers into the harvest field. But remember, he's already sent one worker. And that's you. And so that leads to the second thing you can do. And the second thing is to invest. Invest in them. Make time for them. You know, be present for them. Be, be real with them. Be willing to have uh, conversations that might take a really long time. Live intentionally. You know, that, that means that you might have to move from the, front, from the backyard to the front yard when you sit outside. It means that instead of uh, waving at your neighbor across your yard, you might actually walk over to their driveway to say hi. It, it means that instead of sending an email to that person in the cubicle two over from you, that you actually get up and walk over and talk to them. And when you start living life like this, you start to realize that every trip to the mailbox matters. That every trip you, where you get up from your desk and, and go to the bathroom or go to the water cooler, that that matters. You, you have a chance to invest. Every time, every game, every practice, every carpool, everything you do is an opportunity to invest in someone. And so we'll pray and then we'll invest. And the third thing is we'll invite them. Now, you know, if you've been at Genesis for any length of time, you know we've got invitation cards in the back of the room where you can hand that to a person, and it's the easiest way I know to invite someone to church. Um, and, but it, we don't end there, okay? Because invite is not inviting them to church. We had people, you know, that, that say, well, I invited them. They're here. Now it's up to you. You know, you've got to lead them. You've you got to help them find their way because I've got them here. 
That's not what this is about. Now, we've, we've had these, those cards printed to make it easier for you, but, and we'd love to have people come to church with you, especially if it's for a sermon series that's coming up that you know is really going to speak to them. Or especially if it's for our Easter series. You know that people are more likely to accept an invitation to church at Easter than any other day of the year. And so please invite them to church, but that's not where it ends. When you invite someone, what you're doing is you're inviting them into your life. You're inviting them to dinner, but you're inviting them to hang out with you and to hang out with other followers of Jesus. You're inviting them into a relationship with Jesus Christ. You're, you're telling them about what Jesus has done for you. You know, my wife and many of my friends um, like to use this quote, this phrase that's often attributed to St. Francis, and it goes like this. It says, preach the gospel at all times, use words when necessary. But I'm here to tell you that words are always going to be necessary. That at some point, no matter how much you pray and invest, you're going to have to use words to invite somebody. I've never, ever, maybe it's happened to you, but I've never been at dinner with anybody and uh, ordered a water instead of a beer and had them say, that's fascinating. Tell me more about your God. It just doesn't happen, right? You've got, at some point, you've got to be able to tell people what Jesus has done for you. And look, it's your story, all right? It's not about having the right scripture or the exact words to say. It's your story. No one can deny you your story. They can argue with your scripture. They can disagree with your theology. They can doubt your interpretation, but no one, no one, no one can argue with what God has done in your life. It's your story. You are the best person to tell that. It's living life intentionally. It's being on mission. It's it's bringing greater clarity and purpose to your life. It's obedience because that's what God's called us to do. He's commanded us to share the good news with others, and you've got a part to play. I wanted this morning to give you a real-life example of what that looks like. And so I want to show you a story of uh, one that happened right here at Genesis Church. Take a look. I got my first job at Wallace Elementary. It's a school in Kokomo um, last year. So I've been working there for a year and a half now. And this year, well, this past summer, um, our school expanded and we hired six new teachers, I think, that all came from Butler, which was the school I graduated from. Um, That's when I reconnected with Shara. I knew her before from my sorority, but we both just kind of knew each other's names. We didn't really know who that person was. And so this year started completely different with three new girls that I was spending a lot of time with. And that time in the car and just waiting after school gave me an opportunity to really get to know Shara. Both of us, for some reason, always got done early and were ready to leave. And um, the others weren't. And so we just had a lot of time um, in my classroom and just in the halls talking. Uh, before this past year, I really just relied on shallow things to get me through the day. But at the end of every day, it was just kind of empty. <laughs> I didn't have any meaning. I didn't have anything to hold on to. And that put me in a really dark place. I believe it's in 
oceans that it says keep your eyes above the water and that's something I struggled with for since I can remember I feel like I was completely just being pushed around under the water I couldn't keep myself up because I didn't have something there holding me up <laughs> and I don't think I could do it alone so for years I was struggling with that by the end of the day, I would just feel completely, I don't know, just painfully hollow. And it just got to me, it wore me down so far into depression that um, I completely gave up hope and life. <laughs> conversations just feeling like um, she was just someone that I really clicked with but there was one day in specific when Shara came in and she was just really upset and feeling broken and told me that she didn't feel like she had purpose in her life and I remember um, thinking in my head okay like this is the time I can either share my faith or I can just kind of pass over it which might have been easier but she was really asking those questions of what is the meaning of life and I don't remember exactly what I said but I told her something to the extent of like I personally can't deny the fact that it's Jesus and um, that might not be what you believe or you might not even know about that but I just kind of want to share with you what I believe and how I would get through what you're going through right now. Um, I came to her classroom one one day just broke down I was I didn't understand, my, my mom had just been diagnosed for a second time with breast cancer and um, other things were happening and I just didn't understand why. And she shared her faith with me, she, she let me know what she would do to get through that. And she always, she tells me like, I was just curious. Um, and it was, there was something different about her and I knew that, I always knew that, so I, I did want to know and I was hesitant. <laughs> and when I came to church it was... It was hard not to feel like an outsider, not because of the people there, but just because I felt far away from God. One day after service, Cameron came up and we had a conversation and um, he told me it was great to see me coming back and I told him I, I just can't stop coming back. And um, it's just, it was that pull of the, the people and the message it related to me. It wasn't just the words from the Bible, it was the words from the Bible coming alive, coming alive in my life. That first service of the Follow Me series, just such overwhelming and just the most amazing way. All The whole sermon, I was just like, oh my gosh, like this is for sure, like I can just tell. This is everything I've been trying to say articulately. Steve is just saying it perfectly. Um, and I like hope she's getting this, but I wasn't trying to put too much pressure on it. And I was kind of like looking over to see and I couldn't really tell. I just kind of broke down and Shelby was, of course, right there with me to pray with me and help me accept him into my life. <laughs> I looked over and she was bawling and I was like, okay, I'm gonna go over there. And I just went over there and just like felt led and <clears throat> prayed for her, which was really cool because I'd been wanting to do that for a while too. And don't remember exactly what I said, but I asked her if she wanted um, 
to have Christ as her savior, and she said yes. Um, I decided that day to put my faith in, in God, and um, that was just a big decision for me. We were both just crying and in tears, and she accepted him, and it was the coolest day of my life by far, like the coolest day. And even after she left, I was like jumping up and down just because it was like so awesome to see God actually use me. As a Christian, that's all I want. Like that's my purpose in life. Gosh, he's just used that faithfulness in such a cool way and he's brought her to know him and humbled me so much and just grown my faith too. And it kind of changed everything. Um, all the things that he was doing internally showed externally from then on. Getting baptized was just that last step of showing the world, showing my friends, my family, um, that public declaration that my faith is in Jesus and I've put my life in his hands. And it was an incredible and unforgettable experience. My family was there and that was a big step too because um, I wasn't sure how they would react and it was just all the more amazing to have their support. Well, I definitely feel like I'm, I haven't figured it all out. I haven't figured a lot of things out. Um, I'm definitely still being tested. I, I still um, struggle with anxieties and I still have some of the things on my heart that I did before, but I, I think what's coming now is just continuing to work consciously to trust Jesus and um, work on that, work on my you know, relationship with him. So who's your one? And what might it look like for you to pray for that person and invest in that person and invite that person into your life? And that's what we want to think about just as we close the service today. Each of you got one of these cards. And on the back, um, there's, there are two blanks. And they're the same thing. It's just two pieces uh, where you can write the name of that person that God's put on your heart. And uh, here's what I'd like you to do. Um, we're going to uh, go, we'll go through this together and then we'll, we'll uh, I'll kind of guide you through a prayer. But then the band's going to play and they're going to play the chorus of a song. And anytime during that song, you can come up. And what I'd like you to do is tear this off and you can keep uh, this, the bookmark piece with you. Um, put it in your Bible or put it in a book or you can um, tape it to your mirror at home or to remind yourself to pray for that person and how you might be investing in that person. And then uh, I want you to bring the big card while the, while the song is being played up here and drop it. There's two tables up here at the front. And what we're going to do is we're going to pray over these. And so our staff or our prayer team, uh, we've committed that this, this next week or two, pray over each and every one of these names. And so we want to be there with you as you're investing in that person. Uh, the second thing is uh, we're going to find a way to display these so we can keep them in front of you and keep reminding you about that one person. How cool would it be that we could have so many stories at the end of the year like Shelby and Shara's that we didn't have time to share them all? I mean, what could God do with just a few people investing in one person and how he could use that story? Just like you heard Shelby say, it was by far the coolest day of her life to see Shara get baptized. I mean, think about that. 
I don't know what the coolest day of your life's been so far, but how'd you like to top that? Seeing that person that you've been praying for come to know Christ and be baptized. And so uh, here's what I'd like to do. Would you bow your heads with me? Uh, and I just want to say one other thing too. Maybe you're not even in yet. Like Maybe you're not a Christian and you don't know uh, what this is all about. You can't possibly tell anybody about your faith when you don't have a faith of your own. Uh, write your own name on the card. We want everybody to participate. We'd love to be praying for you as well. So um, let's pray. And as we pray, I'm just going to give you some space here to be uh, praying for this person. And the first thing, let's just, let's pray for doors to be open. Let's just pray for God to prepare the soil in their lives. as you pray, would you also pray for opportunities? Uh, pray for opportunities to invest in this person, for, for, for what to invite them into. You know, show, pray, show me a way I can serve them. Maybe while you're praying, you want to pray that the Lord would show you what you're inviting them into. One of the things with Shelby and Shara's story that was so cool is Shara could look at Shelby and say, I knew there was something different about her. Maybe you need to pray for God to make a difference in your life so people look at you and say, God, make something different happen in me. Let people see your light shine through me. So let's pray that. Lord God, as we lift all these people up to you, we, we know that you love them far more than we could possibly ever love them. And so um, as we do this, we commit this to you and we commit to you that we want to be there to pray for and invest in and invite these people. But God, as, you, as we do that, you're going to need to help us find the right opportunities. You're going to need to be the op- op- open up the doors. And Lord, for some of us, you're going to need to make it painfully, make us painfully aware that this is the time. And God, as you do that, we pray that you would help us to find the right words to say. God, we know we don't have to be perfect when we tell people our story, but help us to to know what to say and when to say it and exactly what would be right for this person in this moment. Lord, we pray for more stories like Shara's and Shelby's, and we pray for more heroes that are helping people find the way back to God. We pray for more people that are coming and coming into a loving relationship with you. We pray that you would use us in that, God, that, that we just uh, commit to you now that if we've made this decision to follow you, we know that this comes with the territory and we want to be so passionate about helping, find, helping people find their way back to God that, that that's what we're known for, that, that we're not known for the restaurants we love or the places we vacation or the cars we drive, but we're known as somebody who wants to help people find their way back to you. So God, would you do that in our lives right now, even as we bring these names up to you and we, we commit these people to you, Help us to do that. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.